right, welcome everybody to episode 107 of the Collector Cast. Uh, this time around, you're getting an abbreviated uh, version of the show um, because while I'm a little under the weather, um, Bill is uh, a lot under the weather with some kids and stuff that are sick. So it's uh, it's Kelsey and I, and Kelsey, you seem to have a little bit of a buggy thing too, right? I I was really sick on Sunday. And I'm mostly recovered, just got a little bit of a, a cough left. So uh, my middle kiddo, you know, got the sniffly sneezies, uh, like middle of the week. And then for them, it was like a day or something. And then like for me, it's like, nah, it's just going to hang on. But We've all been sick in my house over the last week. And I think everyone's almost back to normal now, though. It's just uh, me and my middle kid. Everybody else has been fine, so who knows? Maybe they'll they'll get it later. So if I sound a little extra sexy this time with a deep voice, uh, gravelly, you'll know why. And uh, you can thank me later. It's fine. Um, <laughs> there was episode 107 if you want to re-listen to it after. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, <clears throat> but, so, you know, good on Bill. He gave us a couple things to talk about today, but um, we wish the best for him and his family. And I'm sure he'll be back with us next time around. Um, but, you know, to get things started, uh, first off, I always like to say thanks to our patrons. So it's, uh, I know the Discord's been a little quiet lately, but uh, it's been Halloween and the holidays, and I know everybody's life gets a little bit busy, and we're getting into that time of year where, you know, things are hectic, and everybody's going here, there, and everywhere, and sometimes, uh, you know, the time for gaming is a little rough, and then we'll get into that real winter after the holidays where that's the good time to snuggle up and our real winter it. started immediately the day after halloween the really? the temperature just dropped 10 degrees and snow just has not stopped since that happened 10 degrees for you guys is a lot right so yeah it's chilly or it was chilly it kind of warmed up now that the snow's come but uh yeah it was really cold for a bit yeah like 10 degrees celsius is like a lot i think but yeah uh, um, so yeah, you were saying that you're already shoveling snow and, uh, and yep. having all sorts of winter fun. I don't envy you at all. <laughs> um, it's been pretty warm here, uh, pretty breezy, but, uh, that's why, you know, it's, I'm not going to have a ton of exciting things to talk about because I've been finding leaves, um, for the last few weeks. I, that's usually what my October and late October, early November devolves into is I got two giant maple trees in the back and. My yard's fenced in, so they got nowhere to go. So uh, <laughs> it's just me fighting the fight uh, and burning them up in my big fire pit uh, as quickly as I can manage. So I think about, we had this super crazy winds today, so I think the last bits have fallen, and uh, hopefully I can go out, finish them up tomorrow, and I'll be done for the season. So hooray. This is the, the best timing we've ever had for putting our winter tires on compared to when the snow comes. Usually we're like, it could be any time between September and November. And so sometimes we're like, ah, oh, it's so cold. Like it's going to happen tomorrow. So we put them on in September and then it doesn't snow until November. So we've got them two months on early, extra wear. We, we would rather not have on them. Other times it's really warm. All of a sudden there's snow the next day. And it's like, oh crap, we got to really run and get everything together, get these tires on. But we were like two days off this year. That's never happened before. So tell me, uh, <clears throat> being a person down here, What's the deal with snow tires? What's the big difference? Uh, the traction. You can actually start and stop somewhat, and uh, there's far less chance that you will 
be stuck in a little snowdrift or just cause it doesn't take much to get you stuck uh, especially if you're driving a car not like a big truck or anything that doesn't have four wheel um so yeah if you, you we see a ton of accidents the first like two to three weeks after a snowfall because either people haven't adapted like it's like everyone forgets how to drive in the snow every year and they have to relearn it uh, so they don't give extra time when they're stopping they don't uh put their tires on so they're sliding where they don't mean to go and it just helps reduce all of that greatly so is there a reason why you don't leave them on all year round or uh because in the summer um they wear out a lot quicker on the road so Ah. if you want a longer life out of them you you have two sets you have your summer tires and your winter tires they do make all seasons but you, you don't get as long out of them if you don't switch them back and forth so I gotcha. So do you do that yourself? Or do you like go to the mechanics or? I usually go to the mechanic because it's pretty cheap and they can do it with their, their big drill in like 15 minutes. So do you have like a shed where you just have stacks of tires hanging out all year? I do have stacks of tires in my shed. Yes. Okay. All right. And now, they're a commonly stolen item. Uh, and yeah, so you gotta, you gotta keep shed locked. Okay, all right. I didn't know uh, Canadians were mean enough to sh- steal things, but I'm also learning they're Only mean enough to beat up things. people's. They're they're mean enough to beat up people's snowmen. What's uh, <laughs> a wrench? So, yeah. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> maybe you have to tell that story now, but nobody's going to understand what the heck that's all about. Um, yeah, just my daughter and I built a snowman yesterday when we had our, our big first snowfall, and this morning it was knocked over, and it looked maybe not like an accident. And then I, I noticed in the snow a little later something shiny, and I, I dug a wrench out of the snow right next to our snowman, a bright, <laughs> shiny new wrench. So I think someone came and beat our snowman to death. <laughs> it's just the craziest thing. Yeah. Uh, I expect a little note on your door later that says, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually, there's some kids that, that live in our complex. Uh, uh-huh. We're, we're going to, like, we're not mad. Like, my daughter doesn't care. We'll build another we one. We get a free time. wrench. Yeah, so we're going to ask their dad, not the kids, like, hey, are you missing a wrench? And see if we can track down who, who owns the wrench. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, you Canadians are getting rough up there, man. That's kind of mean for you folks. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so then I have to ask, too, tire chains. that a thing? That is a thing. Uh, it's usually a thing for big trucks, like uh, your 18-wheelers, uh, if they're going up a lot of steep mountainous uh, terrain, which we definitely have around my area. Uh, Not something we typically need for like a family vehicle, though. Okay, so you don't own tire chains, is that it? I don't, but we we have used them in the past. Like if you know you're going somewhere that's very, very mountainous, you'll you'll keep them in your trunk just in case you need them. Okay. But uh, like we don't need them for around where we live. Okay. Uh, very interesting. The things, I mean, I know you guys use block heaters and everything, which I guess that makes sense. It's pretty cold there. Yeah. <clears throat> do you guys own snowshoes? Um, I don't at the moment, but I have in the past. Our neighbors do. We've seen them snowshoeing a whole bunch. Does it work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, like in school, like, you know, when you like try different sports, uh, around yeah. the high school level, one of them things like they do cross country skiing and skating and stuff, but uh, snowshoeing, you, everyone does in school up here too snowshoeing like yeah. well it's what like going mean? for a hike but with snowshoes so you go for a hike somewhere that hasn't had a trail like oh made for okay it. yeah i got so, you because you can stay on top i got you all right well you'll be uh interested to know i was surprised i i my youngest we go do gymnastics you know 
Wow, we. I mean, <laughs> gymnastics. No, but. you don't have that front handstand on the balance beam all, all worked out yet? That would be really interesting to watch me fail. Uh, but um, we were going, like, right by where that is, there's a sign, and it says, Coming soon, Circle City Curling. And I'm like, uh-huh. Curling is coming to, to where? You know, I'm, like, pretty surprised. I'm like, well, I didn't realize it was curling. If you try curling... And I'm not saying this is a joke. Wear a helmet the first time. There's a lot of yes, a lot of concussions from the first couple of times until you get used to. Because one of your shoes is slippery and one of your shoes is sticky. They give you these little slip covers that go on them, so that you can kind of push yourself and glide along with the one foot. Takes a little bit to get used to though, so there's a lot of lot of falling when you're learning. So uh, I'm going to assume you've done some curling before. So what's the best deal? Is it going to be the guy that slides the thing or the the sweepers? Well, you, you kind of rotate your team around unless you're the, the dude on the end, like, yelling at everybody. Um, so you get a chance at all of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. I'm like, well, maybe I should maybe I should try curling. I've, I've never done it before. <laughs> it, it's fun once you get the hang of it. And it's very, like, you got to be so careful at first. You're not falling, hitting your knees, hitting your head, that kind of stuff. Once you get that down and you're not worried you're going to fall, it's pretty relaxing. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out once they get it all set up. So I don't know yeah. when it's opening. Get a, but, get a um, couple buddies and go, go check it out one night. I, I was surprised. So um, <clears throat> anyway, like I'm saying, uh, thanks to our patrons. It's always good to have a little bit of a chat and check in with everybody there. And uh, uh, now that we've delved into Tangent Land, let's let's talk about any formal updates that we want to get through. So uh, Kelsey, anything particular you want to talk about this time around? I have been doing very little gaming and very... Sorry, I've been doing lots of gaming, but not anything to really dig into um i i've been working on a book for the last few months i'm allowed to say that much now i still can't talk about specifics do you have a title yet i can't talk about this stuff man you can say yes or no if i have a title you don't have to tell me the title i don't have uh like one we're locked in on yet okay okay still still a work in progress um but i've been replaying like everything on the nes uh so i've gone through a little over 300 games in the last few months again played them uh researched them taken notes written about them um, can, can you tell me this much it, could it be how to beat nintendo games with kelsey polnick and jeff rovin <laughs> yes I'm, I'm partnered with jeff rovin and i can't i'm so excited that would be the most spectacular thing ever <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've been playing specifically this week a lot of shoot 'em ups, and playing them all like back to back to back to back, and I mean like all of them. Um, it is a very weird experience, and you start to notice little nuances between them that you didn't care about or notice before, like what high score gives you a free life in certain games. Like some of them are really generous, and some of them are really stingy, and it's been kind of neat but weird. And I'm I love shoot 'em ups. I am, I've still got about seven or eight probably to go through, and I'm very excited to get through them because there's like more than 50 of them on the NES. There's so many. So um, what what are the highlights and lowlights? I mean, like, I, I, I can think of a few that I hate. Like, I don't like, like, Mag Max. I hate Mag Max. It's not a great game, but it is so short. There's not a lot to it, so those ones don't bother me. Um, I Like, a lowlight, The Last Starfighter is not a good game in in really any way um highlights i always love uh danik every time i put that in i play it longer than i mean to it's so fun 
Um, Barai Fighter is one I actually really like that uh, doesn't get a whole lot of love. How about Scat? Scat, I haven't revisited yet. That's still on my stack of eight to go, but I do like Scat. Scat's pretty mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just, like, some of them are so mean. They're just nasty, nasty games. Abadox? Um, yeah, Abadox I just did yesterday. Yeah. That one. Kind of a tough one. That one is pretty cool with the bosses specifically because most shoot 'em ups keep repeating a boss and they just like add one element to it and there's it's just slight variance on what you already know. Every boss in Abadox is totally different and I don't know if any other shoot 'em up on the NES has that much variety in the bosses. I think Life Force then um, repeat right. It's got like half as many though. Like Abadox yeah, has true. like seven or eight bosses and <laughs> yeah, none of them Abadox are the same. Is quite a bit. Yeah, it's a tough game. Yeah. Very cool. So um, I'm noticing that because you've been pushing like genre by genre and you've been yeah. showing like your stack of Nintendo tapes uh, yeah. on Twitter. So um, the uh, some RPGs <laughs> coming up soon when I'm done these shoot 'em ups. I'm actually yeah. really looking forward to that. It's going to take you a while, huh? Well, I don't have to like beat them all again, so it won't, uh, won't take me that long. It's just to refresh myself on, on some specifics. I got you. Okay, well, enjoy your, your uh, Ultima Exodus there. Hey. Exodus, yeah, it's rough, but Quest of the Avatar, that game is solid. It's okay, so good. yeah, there you go, very good. Uh, anything else going on? I like I've tried to watch Rollerball three times in the last week, and I've fallen asleep about fifteen minutes into it every time. I'm determined to actually watch the movie soon, though. Okay. Yeah. Any particular reason? Uh, just last time I went movie shopping at the local pawn shop. Um, I grabbed a big stack of movies I'm excited to watch, and I barely dug into it yet, so Rollerball is the top of the stack. I've been trying to watch it just because I heard it was a cool old sci-fi kind of 70s movie, James Caan, so I have yet to see him say a word. He's like in the opening part, uh, like getting his gear on, ready to play this game, and then I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, um, on my end, like I said, I, you know, besides fighting the the leaves, which you know, pure <laughs> excitement there, um, I I fired up Dragon Age Inquisition because I I played the first two <laughs> Dragon Age games. I've even played the first Dragon so, Age a couple of times. Yeah, go ahead. I I know you booted up this game because you told me. I'm looking yeah. at your notes where it says like D A I, and I totally read that as Dead or Alive One. I thought that's what you were going to talk about for some reason. <laughs> that would be D A O. Yeah. <laughs> no it's dragon age d-o-d-o-a yes yeah. uh, sorry uh so yeah dragon age inquisition um i had you know i had picked this up like you know eight years ago or whatever when it came out and i remember just starting it up and not being particularly thrilled and i'll apologize for those listening that my cat <laughs> doesn't want to shut up but you know hey, what can i do besides throw something don't i'm not gonna do that he's not gonna do that <clears throat> so um, keeping an eye on him on the video Something like that. They'll the cat will go away in a minute. But um, I, you know, I, I remember starting it up and playing a little bit and not being real thrilled with it and like just never going back to it. And so the other day I noticed like whatever like the game of the year edition was like stupid cheap. I mean it was like I think like three or four dollars. Uh, and you know I have everything. So I'm like, all right, well maybe I'll I'll check it out again. Maybe I'll try to give it another shot. So I fired it up. I played some Dragon Age Inquisition, and 
I don't know. I'm cut about back to a little bit farther than I was last time. I, I still don't know if I can do it, man. It's just, it's you not. You love fun. Origins. Yeah, it's not. It is not a fun game to play. It's just. And Dragon Age Two was not a fun game to play, but the combat in this one just sucks the life out of you. What is it's... it about one that's so special when the other two aren't hitting you? So Dragon Age origins number one the writing is just stupid good i mean you know me i'm not huge into story um but it's just super solid story like all the characters are interesting you're you're you the choice it's like one of those bioware games where the choices you make really matter and like make a pretty significant difference like some of the changes then decisions you can make towards the end of the game make huge differences is like it, in the way the plot is it goes. like mass effect like are all three games linked together story-wise or are they all kind of separate entities yes they are linked and you can kind of carry across your story but since they're different like protagonists and things it's more of just shaping the world if you will right so i mean some of those things will kind of come back and you'll hear stories about some of these other characters and things as you're playing but you're not at least for most of the characters, you're not running into them again, right? There's like a few that make a return, but um, for the most part, that's kind of how it works. But it's interesting sometimes because you're like, okay, well, you know, how did that, what happened to those characters after the last game? Well, you know, you might get some information about um, whatever happened in that particular case. <laughs> Hold on. gonna go deal with the cat real quick okay no I, i'm back i've just had to <laughs> shout at the cat for a minute so um yeah but man um so dragon age origins like the like the gameplay is kind of cued attacks and things you can do and it's it's solid right i mean it it feels pretty solid it's clunky to a degree but it's very playable and it's interesting dragon age 2 tried to like man let's make it actiony and uh that's what mass effect 2 did too <laughs> yeah but they didn't do a great job at it in dragon age 2 and um whereas like the first game is like pretty big in terms of the places you go and the things that you do like the second game kind of just takes place in like a city and like this little area outside the city that you just kind of keep repeatedly going to so again the storytelling was kind of interesting but the gameplay wasn't great and this one i'm not feeling either like i just kind of don't care about the story at all so far i I don't care about the characters the gameplay sucks it's not entertaining like um it's one of those things where you have multiple party members right Uh and so since they want to be actiony you can control your character you know and then like it will automatically you know play the other characters or you can go into like this strategy mode where it's like got a bird's eye view and you can like plot out each thing and like progress time and but it all just sucks honestly like none of it's fun whichever way you do it it just none of it's really entertaining like these things have cooldowns, but i don't know it's just not fun 
I remember when this game came out with like 2014. Does that sound yes, like? 2014. Yep. It it won a bunch of Game of the Year awards, but the the conversation around that wasn't this is a great game. It was this was just a, a weak year for video games that this won it. Like that was the whole talk was this is the best we had really. Yeah, and now that it's you know it's eight years later, man, it's rough. I mean it. It looks okay, but God almighty, like the gameplay just sucks. So I don't know. Maybe at some point I'll just have to pick up a YouTube video or something to get the story. Because there's a new Dragon Age coming out, and I'm going to hope it's good. Maybe I'll just have to give up on Dragon Age if it just keeps sucking. I don't know. How many hours would you say it takes to complete a typical Dragon Age game? Um, I mean, it's an RPG, so I'm yeah. going to guess, you know, 60 hours, somewhere around there. So if you just did the story, you could probably watch it on YouTube in, what, like, 12, 15 kind of thing? Probably less than that. Less I mean, because in the video, you'd probably just get the major plot points. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, the character, like, they brought back one character to connect it to Dragon Age 2, and if you ask me probably one of the characters i like the least <laughs> out of that and i'm like oh god what well, just anyway so i don't know I, I played it for a while and then i played Elden ring some more because <laughs> <laughs> i like things that are fun <laughs> and um outside of that i haven't been watching a lot besides just like brain dead stuff you know whatever's on youtube or twitch or whatever but uh, i did i was breezing through movies the other night and um I caught the original Police Academy. I'm like, I haven't seen this since, I, don't, I mean, probably the 80s since I've seen this movie. And I'm like, can, does it hold up? I'm, I'm kind of curious. And, uh, man, it's an 80s comedy. <laughs> you know how you've been talking about how you're trying to go back and like this, it's just kind of rough? Yeah. It's kind of rough. Yeah. Um, it's your, it's you know, it's like your typical 80s comedy, right? I mean it's uh it's got a lot of sex jokes that are not always terribly funny um it's got some homophobia in it um it's got some racism but at least the racists look bad in this you know what i mean they're made to look pretty terrible which you know that's kind of the joke right on them i loved the first three maybe four of those when i was a kid my aunt and uncle used to own them and i would watch them only when we went to visit every time whichever one had the jet skis three i think that was my favorite i don't one. know because there was like what like eight or nine of these yeah, movies it was crazy i didn't watch the last half of them but uh yeah i don't want to go back to them because like i have good memories of them and i absolutely believe everything you just said just judged on the bunch of other 80s comedies i've been digging through in the last few months yeah, I, if I remember kind of the sequencing of the Police Academy movies, like like that first one's a, like a hard R kind of movie, and then as they went, they kind of toned it down to be more approachable for younger audiences. Like the first one, I'll be like, there's a lot of nudity. I, I don't remember there being much like in the later films. Uh, and so, you know, like Steve Gutenberg's in the first one, I think he maybe is in the second one, then he goes away, and then the cast kind of settles down or whatever. Uh, into their roles <clears throat> I don't know I don't regret watching it but I was like okay this was yeah that's okay it's an 80s comedy 
Um, I don't know if I'll ever want to go back to it again, <laughs> but hey, it's okay. Sometimes you want to go back and just go, all right, you know, this is what this is what I remember in my head is at checkout. Um, and I've been hunting for what I actually want to watch, uh, but I haven't found it. I've got to look up to what streaming service on. I've been hankering to watch Logan's Run again. Oh, I watched um, that last year for the first time. And, you know, besides, like, the effects being what they are for the time, I mean... You know, it's just what it was for the time, and that's fine. It's pre-Star Wars, but I really remember digging the movie, right? I really remember enjoying it. Did you like it? I did. It was really like it's not an action movie; like it's pretty slow paced, but it was interesting. Even though nothing really crazy was happening, you but you're invested in figuring out what like the the reason the people are disappearing when they turn like thirty. I think it was. I mean, yes. Why is this happening? And and is this guy gonna escape it? And it was it was interesting. It, it definitely held my uh, my interest during the course of it. I think I might try to go back and see if I can grab a copy of the book because apparently the book's a bit different and uh, a little darker. And they don't they don't die at thirty; they die at twenty one. So uh, a little bit different there. Um, so I don't know. I might see if I can dig up a copy here at some point in time. And apparently there's several. I didn't realize. I just uh, found out like this week that 2001 A Space Odyssey, the book and the movie were like written in tandem and the author of both of the script and the book like worked together on each thing. So I'm like, oh, I got to read the book now. That sounds really interesting. I read the books back in the 90s. Uh, all th- There was three at the time. I don't know if there's any more now. There was uh, 2001, 2010, and then it was like 2064, I think was the last one or something like that. Um, it's been a long time. I remember the first one again being really good because the movie's very interesting. Yeah, I remember the second one being interesting. The third one I thought was a little weirder, and out there, but they're all about like Bowman and kind of some of the stuff that's going on, and none of it makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the point, right? So, anyway, um, yeah. So hopefully, maybe by next time. Logan's Run will be a, a thing I can I can point to, but other than that, um, that's really about all I've been up to, and so that's going to take us over to our topic for this episode. And um, since I had done a couple in a row, uh, it's been Be- Bill and Kelsey picking the the shows for the last several, and now it's finally back to me. And I wanted to talk about cheat codes uh, because I was thinking a little while back. Like, what ever happened to cheat codes? Like, that used to be such a big and cool thing in games. And now, it just doesn't happen. And, I mean, we can get into that a little bit later. But um, it's just such a huge departure from kind of how things used to be. So, um, okay. But I kind of want to start with cheat codes because, um, you know, in early gaming... uh, you know, to me, and I don't know what your thoughts are, cheat codes really became like a thing in the NES era. Because I remember playing Atari as a kid, and um, while there was always that famous like adventure Easter egg, there was never really like cheat codes that I was aware of uh, in the games that you could execute. But right. man, when it came to the NES, it seemed like almost every game had a cheat code. Um, and 
it was a big deal. Like the magazines would take all this time to pour over and talk about all the cheat codes that were in the games. Sometimes even the manuals for the NES games would tell you about little codes that were were embedded in there. So um, I kind of want to start talking about that and kind of the beginning of cheat codes and what you remember from early on. So I'll start with me. Probably like one of the biggest ones I remember early on was finding out, I think it's even in the manual for Super Mario Brothers, that if you want to continue from the last world that you left off, you hold down A and start. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, it might be select, but yeah, it's something very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you can just pick right back. You have to start up like, so if you were on world 4-3, you'd go back to 4-1 or whatever. But at least you could continue to have to start the whole doggone game over again. And I'm pretty sure that was in the manual of the game itself. We got our second hand, so we didn't have that piece of uh, information when we had our super mario back in the day so did you know or did someone tell you no not till like way 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 later like i was a teenager by the time we knew about that oh wow really yeah okay um yeah i'd have to go back and look but to me that's like one of the very first ones that stands out in my mind um how about you like what was kind of your beginning of using it like cheat codes in games so i I definitely was aware of them because uh, actually the same family that had the Police Academy movies, my, my cousins, uh, when we go visit them, he had all the NES stuff. So we go there, he'd have a big stack of tips and tricks books and guides and you know power glove and everything that I'd never seen before. So I, I would look through his books and see all these cool codes and secrets for games that I had never heard of. Uh, and then when I'd find one that I liked, I would try and remember it, but it was you know like a five hour drive to get home so i wouldn't remember the code by the time i got home so that was probably my first exposure to them existing and i it was probably just the konami code in contra that was the first one that me and a friend probably tried i think (laughs) now did you ever experience this because i'm sure like it was i'm sure for you too like you rented games back in the day and um sometimes it would be various things. Like I remember when I first started running games, like the manual would be in it. And then like later on, they would just photocopy the manual and have it in there. But like um, people would write like codes and things in like the photocopy, like in the manual for the game. Do you get, do you remember ever finding any of those? So we got our NES pretty late. So almost all the time when I was into games, the manuals were long gone, probably years gone. So what I was stuck with was one of those stickers on the inside of the hard plastic case that just said the name of the game and like, uh, you know, a couple little tidbits on it. But uh, yeah, I didn't really get to get to have a manual with like some personalizations in it. Yeah, I remember there was a a thing because, yeah, there was, you know, like I said, when it started off, the manual would be in the game. And so you get the whole thing. And then I'm guessing, obviously, since people would like lose them or tear them up or whatever, they started photocopying them. And then I, I think the thing was, like, that was a violation of copyright. So they had to stop doing that. Um, and, yeah, that's probably where I remember, like, those stickers they would put on, like, yeah, the inside the plastic case. It would tell you, like, yeah. real basic information about the, how to play the game, right? Yes. Yeah. Be like, A is fire. B is jump. And, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, t- to me, like, the biggest source for all this stuff was, was the magazines, like Nintendo Power or egm or whatever those things were like they would always have this huge tips and tricks sections where they would put all this stuff and sometimes like you even said there would be like separate books or booklets that would just be full of these things or like the how to win at nintendo books (laughs) right (laughs) 
that was such a big thing. Um, so besides like the, the Konamika, did you ever tra- eventually track down these books or was it just always your cousin had this stuff? Uh, well, I started getting Nintendo Power so that you'd have like the classified information section, stuff like that with codes. I found them interesting. Like I read those books cover to cover, but I, I think I've been trying to think really hard about this since you said you wanted to do this topic. I didn't use these codes like the one time like and i mean like one time that i used the konami code when i was a kid like it didn't feel good so we i didn't want to play with that anymore and i was like why am i like that and i think it's just because it they called it a cheat code i think if they called it a help code or a, something else i would have been okay but cheating was bad and you don't cheat so whatever i was watching an episode of the batman the 60s show and my wife walked in and Batman and Robin were chasing a villain and the villain jaywalked and they wouldn't jaywalk after him. They ran over to the crosswalk, waited carefully and then ran across. And she's like, I understand you now. You watched this as a kid, right? And I'm like, yeah, this is probably yeah. where I picked up some of that. <laughs> uh, this is probably the most Kelsey thing I think I've ever heard. But uh, yes, I, I 100% believe that. That you'd be like, <laughs> I shall not partake of the cheat codes. <laughs> So I mean, uh, was that it? Was it really like, oh, I see it, but no, nah, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. I found them fascinating, but like I said, we we kind of missed the Mario one, so I didn't have like a foundation built up before that. Um, so yeah, they were always presented in the magazines as like secret, cool, like cheat, like it was like smoking almost, like the cool kids do this, <laughs> like smoking. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like, that's for other people. But it was interesting to, and I always read through them and was like, oh, cool, like, you can, you know, get a hundred lives in this game or all the power-ups or whatever. So even for some of the terrible ones you didn't use, I mean, like, you know, like one of the most, like, the, the Akari Warriors, like the ABBA, right? Nope. You, that, you, the, the goal when I was playing that, like, as an adult was... Well, to, I know that, yeah. I know yeah. that when you're an so adult, I, like, as I a didn't, kid. I didn't have Akari as a kid. Oh. Uh, yeah, the yeah I don't remember. Like the hardest game I probably had as a kid was Hide Lide. I wasn't aware of any codes for that one. I just didn't go anywhere in that game. Couldn't figure it out. So, um, my, I, my that that's fascinating to me, and I guess that's <laughs> going to leave me with a lot to talk about. Maybe or, or, or one sided conversation, but um, yeah, I remember like a lot in the NES era. Um, and there was kind of like the different kinds. So, so there was, you know, um, the continue code. Um, like a lot of games would have uh, no continues or like limited continues. Yeah. And then often there would be like a code for either continuing or like yeah. basically infinite continues. So I'm aware of many of these now from going through all the NES games because my, my rule was always if it came with the game when you bought it, it was usable. So if they did print it in the manual... I was allowed to use it. If they didn't, I couldn't use it. So like the ABBA code, not in the manual. That's why Akari Warriors is so hard because you can't continue. Uh, but like something else that's really hard, like Adventure Island, in the manual, they're like, hey, if you get the Hudson B on this level, and then you hold down an A when you go to restart the game, like then you can continue. So that one was, I was able to use that one. So it's not a cheat if they tell you. Exactly. Oh, okay. I got you. But um, yeah, obviously that was like a big class of, of codes. Then there was usually the stage select code, right? A lot yeah. of games had stage select codes, which were good because some of those games, 
I mean, obviously you've beat them all. They, they suck or they're just way too hard. <laughs> right? And you're like, I just kind of want to see the ending. Or like, I just want to see, or like, I hate this level. I just want to go past it to yeah. the next level. And um, some of those games are not well balanced. So sometimes if you just get past like a nasty point, Sometimes they're not too bad. That's very true. Yeah, there's just like this weird difficulty spike in the middle of nowhere because some bizarre design choice. Yeah, like where they just didn't play test or they just didn't care, right? At some yeah. point in time when they were putting the thing together, like whatever, you know. Um, and then there would be probably what my favorite codes were were the um, the the sound test menu where you could go in and you could listen to all the music. Did you at least do the sound test codes? So when I, I, I wouldn't have remembered this, but then when Bill, we asked him if he had any, he wanted to shout out. Uh, he mentioned the Sonic sound test. I definitely remember putting that code in and listening to Sonic music on the Genesis, uh, multiple times. I remember some of my favorites, like the Ninja Gaiden end games. Because it had, had such good music. Yeah. And just like right at the title screen. You, just, you could just put the code in. You could listen to like all the tracks that were on there. And um, it wasn't like a thing that was built into every single game. It was only, you know, a few. But it seemed like a lot of times it was the ones that had the really good music. They took the time to right. put like they, a, they knew. a select. <laughs> yeah, like maybe, right? And some of them um, were like the obviously like the more lives like the famous yeah. Contra code. Um, and I want to think there were some other ones that were like that too. I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. Um, but that was not an uncommon thing. And then there were the, the power-up codes, right? Where, you know, yeah. you, you get all the power-ups. Fully stocked, yeah. Um, and obviously those were pretty OP, but for some, I never felt bad. Like Gradius and stuff, never felt bad about using those codes. Because Gradius is stinking hard, and uh, Life Force is, I think, is very doable. Gradius kicks your butt, so uh, I never felt that bad about that one. <laughs> okay, so what about did you? Ever, well, you probably didn't, but <laughs> did you ever run into like cheat codes that were so hard you could never get them to work? Um, there was probably like later than the NES for me where you just hear about a cheat on like the playground kind of thing and they just sounded too crazy to work so you, you try them for like hours and then go and yell at the kid who told you the next day kind of thing but i remember like a legitimate code that i just could not figure out because i didn't really try to do that i do remember there'd be some like oh we're gonna do all of this in the title screen and like this title screen would only be up for like a few seconds. Uh. So you're just like, you know, trying to get all these commands in to get it to go and do the cheat or whatever. And it would be like almost nightmarish or the way they would write it up in the magazine would be slightly wrong uh. about where you got to do it. So like the code would end up right, but like where you needed to do it would be wrong. Right. And it would just be a nightmare. So it's like the <laughs> X-Men on the NES where on the label, they have the code to access the last level, but they wrote the wrong code on the actual label of the game. Yeah. That was not uncommon for a lot of those things. They would be, they'd be slightly off or they would tell you like the code, but they wouldn't tell you when to put it in. Right. right. So you would have no idea. You just have to guess at whatever it was. So obviously you kept playing past the NES. Um, what, did you ever use cheat codes in later games? So there's one example 
that I can think of that I did that, uh, and that was on Twisted Metal 2. Um, we got really, really stuck on Minion, this like mid-game boss. Uh, there's like lava everywhere, and, and he's this big tank, and you have to defeat him after just fighting a bunch of other guys. Uh, so depending on, like if you picked a pretty armored vehicle, you could do it, but like some of those vehicles, like they just get crunched in like two hits. So those vehicles, we, we really wanted to beat the game with to see the ending, but we couldn't get past minion. So we found out there's a God mode code where you like hold the, both the triggers and then you input a bunch of stuff, then let go of the triggers. And it's like, boom, you're invincible and you have all the weapons. Uh, but we didn't just like blast through the game after that. It was like practice that level. Like how do we beat minion while we're safe and then reset the game. Okay. now we can do it legitimately kind of thing. That is, that fascinates me. That you, <laughs> you guys were like that hardcore, like it was a no, practice gotta, tool. Gotta do it right. Well, we found out eventually that you could like kind of be safe inside buildings and tunnels, and then you could just like shoot him as he drove by. And it took a long time, but it was a lot safer to do. So, like, a lot of codes kept going. Like, obviously, like in the 16-bit era, and even like in the PlayStation era. It was still a huge thing. So still you weren't into doing and messing like, with cheat codes? That was a PlayStation game. Like that was, yeah, what, what I did for that game. And I, I can't, honestly can't think of another example. I'm sure there's one in the back of my mind somewhere. Hopefully we'll shake it loose this episode while we're talking. But that's the only one that popped to mind when I'm thinking of an actual code I used. That's fascinating. I mean, for me... It's not like I sit and always cheated, but there'd be some games where it's like I'm I'm just not having fun playing it. So, but if I put a code in, I can have more fun playing it, right? Right. Um, Like, uh, okay, so like I could beat Karnov as a kid, (laughs) and I liked Karnov, right? But you know, if I had rented like Akari Warriors, forget it, man. I'm not I'm not trying to play that game because it sucked. I just wanted to. I just wanted to play because uh, I had rented the stupid thing, and I wanted my time and and something out of it. So, if there was something that was a little cheesy or whatever it was, just so I could enjoy it a little bit more, I never felt bad at all about that. I'm like, it's kind of the game's fault for for kind of playing like crap, to be honest. In that example, I would absolutely agree. <laughs> it was the game's fault. <laughs> when it came to like later games, though. Um, I just remember some games just not like almost like the codes would make them more playable right um okay like one thing i can think about was to ubiquitous point they eventually just made it a thing like remember like the guitar hero and the rock band games like when they first came out you know you just had to get good at it but they would put codes in so you could turn like a no fail mode on Right, um, and eventually that just can became a thing, and the options that they turned on because they realized sometimes people just want to have fun, right? And they don't want to break their fingers trying to learn whatever it is, right? They just want to entertain themselves, and they already paid the money for your game. Let them have fun with yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They is. totally morphed from like an arcade style experience to like a party game after a while. Yeah, yeah because I think they, and that's. I think the smart way to do it, a good way to figure out that, like, okay, right? Again, I understand, like, uh, when I was 
young in the games, right? Like, that was the big thing is they wanted to make them harder so you couldn't beat them when you rented them. Um, because then you wouldn't buy the game, I guess, was the idea behind that. Like, you just rent it, you play it. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts on that. To me, that was never true. If I liked playing a game, that's when I would buy it. It didn't matter. Um, yeah. If the game sucked, it didn't matter. I was never going to buy it anyway, right? It's just that's renting was a way to try it out. It wasn't a way to go like, oh, let me beat this and, and you know, never touch it again. Yeah, some easy stuff like we beat it dozens and dozens of times because it was fun. It didn't matter that it was easy like Kirby the Kirby games like are all pretty simple we ran we used to like purposely play through Kirby get to the final boss uh because he has really good music King DDD then we just crank up the Game Boy leave it on pause and like play magic cards next to the Game Boy for the next three hours until the batteries run out Uh, that's awesome (laughs) yeah I I'm I'm hoping that you know the the developers eventually figured that but like gosh almighty like even the 16-bit era like there were so many games that would just constantly have cheat codes out and you know eventually when you were a kid or you know it was i kind of didn't understand why they were there i mean as an adult now you realize that oh well when they were making the game they had to test things right and this was just like they use that all the time it's just they didn't bother to turn it off right when they shipped the game and sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't and if they left it in might as well you know spill it to everybody or whatever the case is uh who knows how intentional unintentional i'm gonna guess that probably some of them they purposefully left some of that stuff so they could get some press like oh check out this cool cheat code because didn't i mean okay like remember all those games in the playstation that had like those big head modes yeah and that was like uh, why was that such a big thing i don't know but obviously they put that in there as a cool find or whatever right they were planning to release that as a kind of way to hype the game i guess yeah did you ever play an nba jam with big heads yeah yeah (laughs) so you use those cheat codes then i i guess i did in that example yeah okay but like that was a big thing for a while like that 32-bit era so many of those games had big head modes and you just like scratch your head as to why why was that a thing yeah i, I have no idea i like golden i called it dk mode i think because they give you big head and long arms too <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was just always fascinating to me that it was like why was that such a big thing um okay so <laughs> then there was the other side of things and that was cheat devices, right? I think obviously like the famous ones being the game Genie and then later the game Shark. But there were a various these things, a little bit of everywhere. So um, tell me about your experience. I'm going to guess it's slim from what you're talking about there, but did you ever mess around with game Genies or game Sharks or anything so like that? I never owned any of these devices, but one of my really good friends that I used to see from like probably grade seven to 10, very often to play games, he loved them. He had, he would buy like, you know how the game sharks had like different versions come out. He would buy the new version. So it had like the updated codes every time. So he had four or five of these stupid things for his N64. And 
I would literally just check out when he wanted to play them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read a book or I'm going to go look because his family had this crazy movie selection. I'm like, I'm going to go look at movies and uh, just let him do his thing. I think the one... watch the Police Academy movies again. Exactly. Uh, the one time I remember trying one with them was uh, one of the Tony Hawk games, probably three or four, uh, where he like figured out the code for the game shark that gave it like uh, moon physics so you took a <laughs> ramp and you just keep going and going and going and going and going for like a couple minutes before you started coming down and like i had just found that boring after you know five minutes of goofing around with it and just left him to keep doing his thing and just like call me when you're ready to play it normally and then i'm, and then I'm back in kind of thing so um had you ever even messed with the game genie at all that was it like just a couple times at his house with things like that that's interesting so like the original game genie on the nes i never really had any experience with that back in the day i mean i was aware of it being a thing but so many of those games just had cheat codes to me it was just kind of like why why would i instead of having 30 lives you could have 99 lives Chris. (laughs) right or you can make super mario jump you know as high as you want him to jump okay (laughs) what does that do for me right or you can make this change colors okay again why do i care uh and you know you gotta pay good money for new skins nowadays (laughs) right well we'll get to that don't worry um but i i kind of didn't understand the novelty when that was a thing but when it came to 16 bit um obviously i had the genesis and i remember reading in a magazine you know, it was like, you know, those magazines had all the kind of products and stuff in it. And one of the products that was in there was something called the Pro Action Replay. And uh, for the Sega Genesis. And it was made by, like, this company, I mean, you know, Daytel. They're the people that eventually, like, Game Shark is a Pro Action Replay. Mm-hmm. But um, they made these things for these older systems, too. And it was a European company. And so nothing I'd ever heard here. Um, but I saw this thing, and the thing that really interested me about it was not could not just, oh, you could find codes in a magazine or a book and put them in. This thing had a way where you could search for your own codes in the game. And I was like, boy, that's fascinating, right? So I did. I, I saved up and I bought one. I remember ordering it from whatever you know mail order thing was in the magazine and then getting it in. And I've still got it, but that thing fascinated me because um the way it worked was it's a it's like a game gene everything right your cartridge plugs in and then you plug it into the system mm-hmm. but it had a switch on the side and the switch is in the middle does nothing right if you turn the switch down what happens is um, when you press reset on the console it keeps all the memory values stored and then you could use this menu that was built in to try to figure out what memory value you were interested in changing so it would have things like different ways you could search for it like um is it the number got you know value got bigger value got smaller and so you would say like okay um so let's say you played the game you got three lives we'd start with that right and you would say okay here's this is my starting point and then you'd hit a thing so it's like okay i'm storing these values and then you'd play through and you'd like say you lost a life 
you'd reset it and go back again. And now it's saying, okay, what changed from last time? Okay. Well, the value went down. So it would go through everything that was in memory, eliminate everything that either stayed the same or went up, and say, okay, down to this many memory values. And then you can go do it again. Okay, now this time I'm one life. And then you go back and do it again. Uh, went down again. Uh, okay, now you're down to this many memory values. And you go back in. Well, now it's three. Okay, well, it went back up from last time. And eventually you'd get down to maybe a couple or the one memory value. And literally what you would see on the screen was the hexadecimal memory <laughs> value, uh, uh, you know, of the address and the value that was in it. And so once you knew that, you could go and change the uh, the value part, right? You had the address, and you could mess around with the value part. And this, to me, was fascinating, because you could basically, like, to a degree, like, reprogram games live. Um, I mean, you could do the basic stuff, right? Like uh, infinite health or infinite lives. But you could, about anything you wanted to try to figure out and mess around with, you could with this if you spent enough time messing and and trying to narrow down the values and it sounds weird but that thing actually taught me without teaching me directly hexadecimal counting because <laughs> i was trying to figure out how it worked i didn't know anything about hex so you know i made like a little table writing things down like you know like 0001 is one 0002 is two and then like 009 is nine but 10 is O-O-O-A, yeah. right? And 11 is O-O-O-B, and then O, it gets to F, and now it goes back around again. And so I'd never been taught that, but by doing it and figuring <laughs> it out, like, oh, okay, and then, like, all the way up, oh, so F-F is 255. And that really taught me a lot of things because I never understood in my head before that why certain things were the way they were right like why in legend of zelda could you only get 255 rupees or whatever right what a weird number why yeah. why would that be the number well when you understand hex then you're like well, that makes perfect sense like <laughs> that's just a maximum 8-bit value or whatever right? like, oh okay i t totally understand now <laughs> Uh, or, you know, some things, you know, like FFFF, well, 65,536. It's all like powers of two, right? You start learning that stuff. And to me, that was amazing. And it taught me a lot about how everything worked behind the scenes. And obviously you could play with some things and some things would just break the game and other things you could do really <laughs> weird stuff with. But I would just try and experiment and write these things down. And half the time it was just, trying to do weird stuff and playing around with it as much as it was playing the game so um to me that <coughs> as as a part of cheat devices that fascinated me and um and that was not a usual thing that wasn't like how game genies worked no, right yeah. um game genies you had to have a book uh, that like told you the code. i guess you could mess around and try to put whatever you want but like the code you put in didn't directly map to memory values like they, the code would translate that into a memory value. It was doing the same thing, but you didn't actually get to see it. Right. And with this, you got to see everything that was going on, right? And um, I don't know. To me, that was always fascinating. And I wish I'd gotten more to it. I remember that was even a thing with um, 
because on PlayStation and and um, Saturn, if you remember, like the Game Shark codes, Game Shark was just the U.S. version of the Pro Action Replay. And and I don't know, did you ever see those on PlayStation um, or Saturn? Not when they were like uh, at retail, but like I've I've seen them since. Like when I had my game store, definitely. So you 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 would see like on the back that looked like a little port right like yeah. you'd plug like a computer port into and that's because they made a card for your PC to do that exact same thing that I was just talking about so you could hook uh-huh. it up to your PC and scan memory values and make your own codes um, using using that same system but you had to buy this card and then hook it up to your PC right. um, I never did that because I didn't have a PC at the time I would love to go back and find one of those cards at some point in time and just play around and mess with that just for the wild. I always thought that that was the neatest thing though, like to be able to go in and like actually reprogram your games kind of on the fly. So Um, which games did you have the most fun messing around with? It was really like all of them. Uh, I don't know if I had any particular ones, but like I remember like the first one um, I had um, at the beginning, I didn't have a lot of games. Uh, for the Genesis, but um, like Fancy Star Two, mm-hmm. um, Fancy Star Two is a slog of a game. Like you don't level up very fast, you don't get much money, and makes playing the game a big drag. Like I enjoyed it, I loved the game playing through it, but to play through it again, it's like oh my gosh, it's a lot of work. But with this, you know, I could level up really fast and get a lot of money. So. I didn't feel like I lost anything from the experience, but if I wanted to re-experience it quickly right. and enjoy it, this gave me a way to do that. Or like I had Last Battle, um, and I could beat Last Battle on its own, but messing around with all the codes gave me a lot more life out of playing Last Battle than I ever would have in the first place. So, um, I don't know. To me, that was just a fascinating time, and maybe that was a thing that PC players did on their games a lot I have no idea but that whole idea was just fascinating to me back then so um, when we got to like the 32-bit era these devices would store like they had save memory so they would save because you'd only have to put the code in once and it would like save it so when yeah, you start I, up I remember the N64 game sharks that my buddy had would do that and we'd just load them up and he'd have the list of all his favorites there yeah, so that way you would, you could just put the code in once, not like the other old ones where you had to put the code in every single time. You start the game up. Excuse me, and um, and that was obviously a big deal. And um, and then I remember like uh, the Saturn one. A lot of times you could use those to play like foreign games and things. Oh right? yeah, because you could use some tricks to bypass like the security checks or whatnot. Um, but again that was still a big thing and they would like sell you know if you wanted to they would sell like booklets you could subscribe to a booklet of codes uh, that they would send you and then of course later on when the internet became a thing they would just post those there were websites you know just full of these things and so again even in these later areas did you ever have one or play around with these nope never owned one Um, (laughs) no interest in them I don't know if I was I definitely wasn't even aware of the Saturn when it was at, on its like retail life. Like that one, I didn't find out about until after. I just kind of missed it. 
Um, but I don't think I knew anyone that even had the PlayStation one, even though Playstations were everywhere. Um, I, I don't know if I knew anyone who even had Genesis or Super Nintendo cheat devices. I, like, I was aware of the Game Genie and then the Game Shark on the 64 and nothing in between until much, much later. That's wild. Were you just because you were out in the middle of nowhere or it just wasn't a thing, you think? When I was like up until 10 years old, I wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It was, it was until after that that we moved. Um, but even then, like that was like prime Genesis Super Nintendo era. Didn't know anyone who had them. I don't know why we just missed that where I lived. Like on store shelves? Yeah, I don't remember seeing them. Like I used to go to the rental place constantly, um, like every weekend. Don't ever remember seeing a cheat device there. That is so wild. I wonder if it was just they weren't as popular there. Maybe if, like I don't know what the distribution was like in Canada. Like I know Mattel was doing the Game Genie stuff up here during the NES era. I have no idea what what was going on with the Super Nintendo Genesis stuff though. Who was distributing those? I remember there was weird things like. Um... Like the Game Genie for the Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo hated these things. Oh yeah, and so they would try to like do things so they wouldn't work. And I remember um, I got Super Metroid when it came out, and um, the Game Genie wouldn't work with it because uh, they'd messed around with stuff. Uh, but the Galoob, they were the people that did it here in the states. They had a thing where like you mail it in, we'll we'll give you a new version. <laughs> no charge um so i remember i mailed in my my <laughs> game genie um not that i really ever used it on super metroid um again it was usually for things that games that i'd rent that i didn't like as much but i would just kind of want to goof off and play with um I, I had bought super metroid so i just played through it and enjoyed it quite a bit but i remember that being a thing like oh it doesn't work with this game and you have to you, know, you could you could mail it in um, which is probably very generous of these companies to do that totally. stuff. No fee attached to it? That's crazy. I mean, obviously, yeah, besides postage, the shipping. Probably, yeah, yeah the, the postage behind that. But um, And God, back then, I don't remember how long it took. Probably took forever to get the thing back. Six to eight weeks. <laughs> probably. So um, let's take a minute here and talk. I mean, maybe on your end, it's probably going to be pretty short, but Bill did give us a couple notes. Favorite cheat codes, ones that you remember or enjoyed using? So other than that Twisted Metal one that I mentioned, I found ones that I liked earning, but not using, if that counts. Because like in GoldenEye, you beat the certain levels at the certain difficulties and you could unlock the codes. And I loved having goals in the level to like get better at. And then I'd get the code and I'm like, but we can't use that code. Like we don't want all, all the weapons. We don't want all the ammo. I would. I was okay with paintball mode sometimes because that didn't change the gameplay. It just made the walls colorful when you missed. Um, and same thing with Resident Evil games. Uh, the faster you beat them, the better ranks you get. You unlock like you know rocket launchers and magnums and, and that kind of stuff. Not to use. It was just like a goal to work <laughs> towards. And my my buddy that I mentioned earlier with the game sharks, he would go nuts with these things. He loved them. Like he was like, ah, oh, he's like he he couldn't beat the game quick enough to get a rocket launcher so he would help me by like mapping he'd have a map in front of him and he'd be like take a left here like trying to cut my time down right to get the s rank you don't need that save ribbon there's going to be another one up ahead we can skip this typewriter 
And so he would help me get the codes for him so that he could just have a blast when I wasn't there with a rocket launcher or with infinite golden gun ammo or whatever he wanted to do. But I, I really do like, they could have unlocked anything. It could have unlocked like art assets or sound tests or whatever. It was just fun to have goals for me in those games beyond just beating the game. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really actually use the codes once we earned them. Like the weird stuff, like uh, like I guess these probably wouldn't necessarily be cheats, although you probably could unlock them via cheats. But like like tofu mode, like uh, yeah, like we we did all that, yeah. But it was for I would unlock it like for my friend mostly, and just to have like a reason to keep playing Resident Evil. And did you actually play that mode? Like, oh, I'm gonna play tofu or whatever. We tried tofu a bit. Yeah, I remember playing that a little bit. Or like the survivors or mercenaries or whatever that one. Mercenaries, yeah. Yeah, like once we got the modes, like we always tried them to see what they were all about. I didn't find them as interesting as the main game, so we didn't spend more than a day on them, kind of thing. I gotcha. I got. You. Um, for me, I, you know, I guess I have a few that I'll throw out there. Um, I mean, you obviously have to give shout outs to the Konami code, um, because of just how went. How did the Konami code? obviously which name as the name implies started out in konami games become like the cheat code <laughs> do, i mean do you remember like even other game companies would use it as their cheat code yeah i my son and i we were playing um on the ds uh adventure time um hey ice king why'd you steal our garbage and if you put the konami code in on the main screen it just this like weird dude starts appearing and dancing and singing a song about you found the secret screen da, 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 da. <laughs> it just like dances at you until you push a button to end it <laughs> not a konami game like nothing to do with them yeah it became so insanely ubiquitous that i think after a while they were like eh, if we're gonna put one in just do this like nobody even bothered like before there'd be all kinds of different ones right like, every game programmer would come up with their own stuff and after a while, I think they were just like, well, screw it. You know, we'll just use this. Everybody knows what this is. Uh, we'll just use this one um, and not fool with it. But um, I, I, one thing I loved about that, I think it was Gradius 3 on the Super Nintendo. Uh, they pulled the trick where if you put the Konami code in, it made your ship blow up. Yeah. Um, but if you did the same thing with the shoulder buttons... For the left and rights instead of the the d-pad then it worked um but i guess you know kind of having fun with people uh with the code and obviously having different lefts and rights uh on the super nintendo uh, that would have been hilarious the first time some kid tried to do it who'd you'd have grown up with gradius or life force or whatever <laughs> just what just happened i'm sure there was probably a lot of good laughs on that one um, the other one I would say is uh, one that the game actually gave you, and that's at the end of Super Mario Brothers when you get the level select. Okay. So, you know, like at the end, like the princess tells you, you know, that you can, uh, it's like B and whatever, right, to change the world. And then you can <coughs> play the game again, but obviously you can change whatever world you want to start at and play the harder mode. Um, so that one was a, a fun one. And... Um, and then again, I just like that first like rock band code where you could put like uh, no fail mode or like I think Guitar Hero had it too. All right, as soon as you could turn that on, 
you were like, oh my god, just please, I don't ever want to not. I mean, like I remember like Guitar Hero two, I had to get like really good at it and beating it and everything it, else. It was three when they switched companies that uh, they started loosening up on that stuff. Yeah, like man, you really had to get pretty good at Guitar Hero two to get all the way through it. But afterwards, you're just like, I just want to have fun, and eventually, I got good enough where I could play through them anyway. Uh, and but you know, you're just like, oh dang, I don't. Sometimes you just want to goof off and have fun and not have to deal with any of it. Um, and, you know, that's my kids love that too, right? They don't have to worry at all. You just play the game and have fun with it. Those are some of my favorites there. Um, hmm. I did think of one that I, I did use. A yeah. The kind of, they're, they're kind of built in, but they don't tell you what they are. Uh, it was like Mortal Kombat 3 when you'd start a match and they'd have the the six Combat icons codes. on the bottom, yeah. yeah. And you'd have to like, and I would play mostly by myself, so I'd have to do both controllers to try and match them up. Um, but you could like fight the bosses and like things you weren't supposed to do. So I do remember messing around with a little bit on there, and there there was some just dumb ones where it's like you can't throw or you can't uh, see your health bar or something stupid. Yeah, I remember that being such a big thing, like because when that game came out in the arcade. Um the combat codes like unlocked certain things in the arcade game and so the idea being that they would trickle these out and you'd hear about them in rumors or magazines they'd go right to the arcade and unlock things right. uh, on the arcade game and i remember that being kind of a cool thing although uh, man i think mortal kombat 3 sucks but uh i, I remember that, that. <laughs> i loved mortal kombat 2 3 that run button oh my god well, I liked Cabal, and he was, like, the running guy, so that's probably why I liked 3. Oh, my God. Just every time you're in the arcade, that's all you're hearing is the... <laughs> like, just that constant noise of the run. And you're like, oh, my God, please pick this thing and throw it out the window. It was so <laughs> annoying. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, I can't remember, like, a lot of other games doing that. It was a pretty neat idea. Um... Let's talk a little about the death of cheat codes because I don't know if you agree with me. They just really, I don't know if there's even a, they're even a thing anymore. So I think Grand Theft Auto still holds that torch, and I think they might be the last ones holding it. Like I'm pretty sure you can still do like God modes and, and dumb things in the new GTA's. Uh, I say new; it's been out for ten years now, so it's you know not the most current thing anymore. But uh, it's still huge and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can still do like invincibility and like uh, a bunch of extra money and like you know have the cops come after you with five stars or whatever you want to do in that game I think they still do those here's my thought on that I'll be curious to hear your take I noticed that these kind of died when DLC became a thing and I think at that point they went oh instead of giving you a code to do it we can just charge you instead. I, I mean, does that seem like the way it went for you? I, I think it went two ways. I think one of them is exactly what you just said, and the other is people figured out they can modify things themselves, So especially on the PC side, uh, so they can do whatever they want anyway. Yeah, I think... That's what's always scared me. Well, one of the things that's always scared me away from PC gaming is I just hear about how rampant like cheating and things are on those games. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that sounds like such a bummer, 
right? Like, why would I? That sounds toxic and annoying. Uh, why would I? I ever want to do that? Um, so you know, I guess I'm kind of glad that's not a thing on consoles that you have to worry too much about. But um, yeah, I guess you're probably right. Like on the PC space, it's probably always been a thing. Yeah, I right, think with... first-person shooters. It seems the cheating that you're talking about is like the most rampant, and most other games like. You don't really hear about it in like the fighting game community. Like there is cheating, but it's not like it's not just some kid in the basement playing you know, like a ten year old playing Call of Duty. Uh, it's like some dude trying to like cheese his way through a tournament or something. Yeah, you don't. You're right. I don't hear it much about um, fighting games. The only thing I think is kind of neat, I guess I've seen, is that um, at least like Street Fighter Five, people have gotten so good at making their own like costumes and skins for characters so like some of them are, are pretty amazing and obviously you know they can only be you can only see them on your screen you know um, but i've been shocked at some of how good some of those <laughs> people have done uh with some of those things but um i can think of this one guy that plays a lot of tournaments and like he had somebody make a skin of him <laughs> for his favorite character and so is playing as himself basically that's hilarious his favorite character is zangief so it's just a huge oh, version of himself <laughs> being zangief so it's kind of funny but yeah i think you know i i don't know i just don't notice that cheat codes are talked about or even a thing on consoles at all anymore i i, don't, I not even as like cool little easter eggs or anything i can't think of the last time i heard of one can you other than gta and like like the DS example I gave, like after that, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any. Yeah, I like I said, I just think that's it. The companies have gotten greedy and have decided, nah, we'll just charge you, right? Um, yeah. If you want this stuff, yeah. and uh, you want extra lives, like yeah, you, like you have what? especially in like the mobile markets, like you have to wait the buffer or pay the money to. Uh, to even keep playing in some cases yeah which is another thing that, that why I won't, I won't play mobile games either but it's that design's so profitable it's spilling into the console stuff like rapidly lately no you're not wrong and it's been going on for a while um, I don't know about you though I'm gonna hate that stuff oh, I'll just yeah. avoid like I don't know anybody who likes it but it's so pervasive anyway yeah I don't know I mean I guess for those that want to play those games that's your deal but as soon as i hear about that kind of stuff in a game i'm like nope <laughs> it's just a big nope i i feel like that even when they like add new characters or costumes or things i'm like this stuff used to be free or it used to be included with my purchase like it's not anymore yeah if you have fun and you could expand the game <coughs> some I, I get it but uh yeah i have complained on enough episodes about pricing and dlc i don't need to go into that again i get it yeah no i think everybody understands where you sit on that one <laughs> um so having talked about their death and uh kind of do you think they should come back do you think this should be a thing again do you think people would even care i'm even wondering if they'd have to like reteach people that because i don't know if my son and daughter who play a lot of games would even understand that like we do they, they might need to figure out a way to 
teach kids what that even means anymore. Do you think there's any chance they will? Uh, you know, there's always the old legacy companies that are still around. Like, I could see Sega throwing some goofy stuff into, like, a Yakuza game. Or, uh, like, I know Konami doesn't make games often. But when they do, like, they've got the most famous code. Why wouldn't you uh, mess around if you want to throw a new Castlevania or Gradius game out or something like that? So in the new Silent Hill 2 remake, we'll get a big head <laughs> mode, you think? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, big, big I big pyramid am, head mode. <laughs> um, I don't. I hate to be a downer, but I think just man, maybe that age is over. And uh, I think you might see it more in like little indie games because it's like people that grew up with that, like throwing it in their game as just like a fun little like, hey, remember these? Maybe to us older people, but like you said, I at some point in time. We're going to be fossils and nobody's going to know or care anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But they were always just... It added a little element of fun and interest and... Um, Danger. And, and and sometimes you'd go back to a game that you hadn't played in a long time because a new code, you'd see a new code for it. Like, oh, let me try this, right? Um, or my God, like that whole April Fool Shing Long thing, right? I mean... <laughs> Like oh, how man, there's much so did, many of those stupid things. How much did that sort of stuff spark um, people playing? Or, um, you know, like in the first Mortal Kombat, people trying to figure out, like, reptile and how to fight reptile and that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, sometimes, like, the mystery sometimes is gone. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's a shame. Well, um, I... I I guess that sort of wraps up my thoughts on cheat codes, unless you've got anything else that you'd like to talk about with them. Uh, they're evil, and if you use them, you should feel bad. <laughs> um, no, you just... Uh, I'll absolve you of your sins. Just send the <laughs> DLC money to me, and uh, I'll... Six to eight I'll, weeks from that, he'll, he'll absolve you. Uh, I'll give you my blessing uh, that it's not a cheat code. It's a, it's a happy code. <laughs> it's a help code. Help How about code. that? <laughs> I, I'm really honestly curious if they called them anything else if I would have been like all on board with them like like most kids Kelsey it's the fun code the fun code I was just thinking that too yeah you should you gotta try this new fun code they took up like you know at least six pages of most <laughs> magazines back then so they were common and like everyone seemed to get something out of them absolutely what I'd like to hear from from our listeners is what was your favorite cheat code, um, or did you, or were you a Kelsey? Right, you're like, oh, I'm not using this. It's got to be at least one other person out there. I think you're all alone. <laughs> one one kindred spirit somewhere. I'll be surprised. I'll be really curious to see if there's somebody else that is that on the straight and narrow. But uh, I would like to hear like what what was your favorite? I know. Bill always talks about like the Mike Tyson punch out. That's not really a code, I guess. It's well, a, the a password. one to get to Mike Tyson is they, that's never given to you in the game. The furthest code the game gives you is to Super Macho Man. So you have to do those two fights back to back. Mike true. Tyson one, you had to get out of like a Nintendo Power or something. That is true. Um, but I don't know if I initially cheating is kind of a little. I mean, you still have to beat him. Uh, yeah but you gotta be two boxers back to back that's a cheat skipping a skipping a stage i guess although man 
Once you mastered Macho Man, it wasn't too bad. Tyson, God Almighty! But uh, that was just a the first story. Just the first half of that first round, like that first minute or whatever. After that, that round, he's a regular boxer. But that yeah. first, uh, you first just have to survive and have instant reflexes for that first you know period of time. Watch those eyebrows, no doubt. Um, but yeah, uh, I, you know, for our patrons or from our listeners, you know, hit us up and uh, let us know what you guys think of cheat codes. Um, should they make a return? Are they just a dinosaur of the past that needs to die? Um, what do you miss? Uh, if you could put a cheat code in a game that's out now, what you know would what would you do? What would you like to have in there that you can't do anymore? Um, if you could buy a game genie for a modern <laughs> console, would you would you still be interested in that? I mean, obviously, um, after like once once the PS3 and that stuff got here, that got a lot harder to do. Um, I remember with ps3 and stuff at least you could like still modify your game saves you could put them like on usb or whatever and you could do things but they, um, they made action replays for like the ds and 3ds yeah th- those were pretty popular for the handheld stuff i think at this point though they've squashed all of it like you can't i don't know on the consoles if there's any way because like even on ps5 now you can't put your save on a thumb drive anymore oh. um they don't let you do that stuff so uh I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna guess that they're gonna say that's to, to a pro- save from cheaters, but uh, I think it's more so they can get you to pay for PS Plus. But uh, probably, yeah, we're back to all that again. But yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. And um, so Kelsey, besides the book stuff that you're working on, I- I'm curious. Do you have an ETA? You guys have an idea about how long before something will be ready that you can talk about? Uh, we're hoping to have. Uh... A lot more information like in probably late december early january and then have have like the book ready by like spring to like show people like the finished product kind of thing very good very good you have a publisher and everything lined up yeah all the like business stuff's uh, pretty much handled like I, I can't get into specifics but we have uh, someone working on cover art right now that i'm so excited to see what he comes up with like he's I should have a sketch uh, in the next one to two weeks and then a finished uh, cover in the next month. And I'm beyond excited to see what he what he does for us with what we uh, asked him to do. Do you uh, are you at liberty to say if we're talking about hardback or soft cover? Uh, hardback, man. We're not cheaping out on this thing. Oh, very good. You're going to have uh, gold leaf pages. On the end. maybe we'll see we'll see my, like my a, big thing i like i felt like it'd be really fancy i'm like i really want one of those like ribbons that you can use as a bookmark i'm like how like is that doable he's like yeah we could do that how about yes. like those index indentions in the pages you ever see those uh, like in books that, where they'd have like a letter and you could jump right to that that might actually make sense i don't i didn't think of that so i don't know i'll, I'll have to bring that up it was always cool, like in dictionaries and encyclopedias, right? You like yeah. that little cut, cut, cut out. Here's A, B, C, D, yeah. and you could just open I'm, it right. I'm learning it. about what the costs are associated with uh, different features in books right now, and I, I that's one I haven't actually talked about, so I don't know if that makes a big difference or not. Uh, make sure you're printing on acid-free paper, <laughs> so uh, it will last a long time. Um, <clears throat> okay, cool. I'm sure we'll be glad to hear more about that, and uh, maybe how people can get autographed copies 
when it comes closer to time. And uh, other than that, <clears throat> the what's uh, how can people find you? Uh, just on Twitter until it implodes uh, from the sounds of things lately. Uh, Kelsey Polnick. You haven't signed up for your Mastodon account yet or whatever? Uh, I'd never heard of these other services that people are talking about now, but now there's like four of them I'm aware of that I'd never heard of before. I know. Before the other day, I had no idea what Mastodon was. Oh, and Cohort I, was another one I keep hearing. And... Yeah, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm too lazy to, yeah. to bother. I am I, 100% too lazy. To, you know how long and how much effort it took Chris to get me onto Twitter in the first place? Years. This so, is true. I will be... 80 by the time i'm on mastodon and i i don't know about you i'm i'm really good about blocking stuff so i don't really have a lot of crud i don't want yeah. on twitter that i have I, to see i have gotten better at that too i'm i'm wonderfully i'm really fast to block some stuff <laughs> i got no problem with that so i have a very curated experience which is nice. uh, which Smart. works for me um so you know, uh, obviously, I run the show account, so at CollectorCast, or I, I do still post the show stuff on Facebook, uh, although I'm not on there a whole lot other than that. And then um, you can always get the show at CollectorCast.com or on your favorite podcatcher, except SoundCloud. I still have never figured that one out. Uh, maybe someday if somebody tells me I need to. But uh, I just want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>